0: Hi, I'm Sharon Sneer, you're listening to Grief's Gift, a podcast that explores stories of loss and grief, and how and where to find within these painful times, some of life's most beautiful gifts. We all have the freedom to make choices out of the losses we experience, courageous, creative, collaborative, and conscious choices that so often become the gifts we hold most dear. So welcome to the conversations, meditations, and connections that are Grief's Gift. Welcome to the first podcast of Grief's Gift. Over the past three years, since the sudden death of my husband, I've been on a very new and challenging journey. In those early months and years, I surrendered to the overwhelming feelings of loss. I often felt like I had no skin on my body and the pain of being shredded forced me to sit very still or sob uncontrollably for hours on end. Sometimes grief came as a flood, and sometimes I just floated away on some invisible grey cloud. I took risks during that time, and the impact of those risks changed me forever. Risks that included leaving my home for months on end traveling alone to Venice to an empty apartment to become anonymous and see who I was without my husband of almost 40 years. I committed to volunteering every week in an organization that I'd never even considered before. I let go of people that were no longer fulfilling me. I bought furniture and art without asking anyone's opinion, very radical for me. And yet the ache and the heaviness of grief was my constant companion. On the second anniversary of his passing, I woke up at 5 a.m. exhausted. I felt as if I was wearing two lead aprons, you know, the ones placed over us when we have a tooth x-ray at the dentist. I could barely walk. I knew what I wanted and needed to do. It was time. I drove to my favourite beach in Sydney and I walked to the edge of the peninsula. There, I had a talk with my husband, and I told him I couldn't carry the weight of such constant sorrow any longer. And I thanked him for almost 40 years of love and joy and adventure, for our five amazingly wonderful children, for the holidays we took and the 1,982 Friday nights we shared. I thanked him for loving me and protecting me and putting up with me and then I told him it was time for me to release myself from the weight of grief that made it hard to breathe. I felt my grief in some ways was spiritually holding my husband from flying free and I wanted him to do that. So I imagined these two lead aprons sliding off me and being carried away by some supernatural huge bird and being transformed into pure white light and exploding and covering the ocean in a million glistening white stars. I release you, I release you, I release you. Tears fell freely, but not the tears of grief. They were tears of relief. The sea breeze picked up the wetness on my face and cooled me. And I breathed. As a huge weight left me, the seeds of joy in my heart began to shimmer. I don't know how long I stood there, but I do know that when I turned around to walk back to my car, I felt a lightness of being that I hadn't felt in a very long time and I realised it is possible to expand and grow so that both grief and joy have a place within us, but one doesn't necessarily overwhelm the other. In 1963, when I was 10, I first consciously experienced grief. My grandmother, who I adored, died one Friday night while lighting the Sabbath candles, or so I was told. My mother remained in bed that weekend with swollen red eyes and was incapable of doing anything else. I remember wanting to sit with my mother and talk to her about what had happened, but I realised she was too grief-stricken to comfort me. My grandmother was always on my side. It was not always easy my relationship between mum and I and my grandmother would calm her down and remind her that I was only a child and my mother listened. Up to that time I had found a strange ally in a being that I called the golden woman. I would sit under the hibiscus tree in our garden especially after getting into trouble And this angel would be there and we would talk, or more accurately, she'd talk on two subjects only. She would talk about ants, of which there were many where I was sitting under the hibiscus tree, and she would talk to me about stars. The golden lady came to me many, many times before my grandmother died. But after my grandmother died, she came to me only one more time, she told me that now was the time for me to connect with my grandmother. And how I would do that would be to look into the night sky and see the brightest star. That would be my grandmother. Maybe she was preparing me to connect to spirit, but her teachings have never left me. However, that same year in November, I was in our kitchen where the radio was on, as usual, and I heard the news that the President of the United States of America had been shot and killed. I ran to tell my mother, who was so horrified that at first she didn't even believe me. Much of the world was in shock and sorrow at that time, and I felt that. I began to wonder, what is life about? Why are we here? What's our purpose? And most importantly, for me, at 10 years old, I wanted to know, where do we go when we die? This existential question has continued to be asked by people throughout the ages. But it began once again through my grief of the loss of my mother, my father and my husband, who all died within six years. After the assassination of John F. Kennedy, I wrote a poem. It was a poem about death, a poem that my teacher sent to the editor of the school magazine, which was called The Cherivery. That year, in 1963, at the age of 10, I won the Creative Writing Award for the whole school. That year, the year of grief and loss, I understood that the way I needed to express myself was through writing. And for the past 58 years, I've never looked back. So here is the poem I wrote when I was 10 years old. And what happens in that poem has given me insight into who I was then and indeed who I am now. One night, when all was silent, in a graveyard stood a girl. Her clothes were rags, her legs were thin, her head was bent, and in her hands she held some flowers. A tiny teardrop fell from her eye, and turning round, she walked slowly towards the gate with a lonely sigh. And then I saw from the stone she had left, something printed on which said, Here lies my father with love, who died in helping the Lord above. At that moment, I felt the same way as that girl did, sad and lonely. And then I thought of the years ahead when she'd remember her father dead, how happy he is now. He wouldn't like the way I act, so I'll cheer up and remember the happy things, the good things, the kind things about my dad.